Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithRoy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithRoy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hey there. And welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana. As always, I am your host. And today I'm excited to begin a new series of podcasts that I'm calling Quantum Quotes. Pithy Wisdom for Life in Love. Now, if you follow this podcast, you might remember that a number of months ago, I did a series of podcasts that I called Quantum Questions for life and love. And back then, I simply presented five questions that I thought if you consider them deeply, they could produce a quantum leap in your life and in your love life. Well, in a likewise fashion, I have identified seven of the most powerful yet pithy quotes that I could find from the the, the, the master's the monks, the mystics. Some of the quotes come from people that lived hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Some of them come from people that are alive even today. But I've arranged and found seven really powerful quotes that I think if you you listen to them and if you are guided by them, Right. If, the, if you have an aha moment with them, that these quotes can produce a quantum leap in your life and in your love life. So that's my goal here is I, I want to share with you some of the like seven of my most favorite quotes that I've read from the mystics and the masters. Like, and I've read all kinds of books. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of books over the years because I've been into spirituality and understanding the human condition and relationships for, I don't know, 30 some years. It's, it's been be, between that and golf. They've been the two passions of my life. <laughs> you know, I've always been, been passionate about professional golf and playing golf. And I've just been really passionate about spirituality and relationships and the human condition. I've devoted my life to those two topics And so I've identified seven of my favorite quotes that I want to present to you. I want to share them with you. And I'm hoping that they touch you as deeply as they touch me. I'm hoping that maybe you even memorize one or two of them. I mean, all seven would be great. But I mean, if one or two of these really jump out of your earbuds... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> however you're listening to this, if they, if they really jump out at you, I'm hoping that you memorize them and you, you might even use them as an affirmation. Like daily, you're going to remind yourself of, of one of the quotes that seems to wake you up, seems to point to something really important for you. Okay. So that's the desire that these quotes produce a quantum leap of growth and self-awareness and your ability to experience a sense of well-being and your ability to connect with other people in the healthiest, most sustainable way possible. Because all these quotes speak to life and love life. They apply to both of these areas as any type of real truth does. Now, the first one, and even before I tell you what it is, I sort of want to warn you <laughs> that, that the, this one is first on the list for a reason. It's because it's probably the most powerful quote that I've ever read, that I've ever come across. But it is, it is literally so radical that you, it, your head might explode when you hear this. Yeah, you might be like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Like, no way. Not possible. Right? Just, it may seem too far over the edge, too far in the deep end of the pool. It might even seem ridiculous to you. And and I'm totally okay if you either don't agree with it or certainly okay if you're like, no, I am not going to try to make this quote 
become sort of the conscious intention of my life. Like, no, 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 I'm not going to live by that. I don't want to live by that. And so as I share this first quote with you, I'm not expecting that from you. I mean, I do believe that if you want the deepest sense of well-being and happiness and great relationships, then you would align your life with this quote. You would make it your intention to have this quote be become something that is true in the way that you live your life, okay? But I'm not putting that out there as the goal. Here's the only goal that I have with this first one. I just want you to understand the truthfulness of it. Okay. Whether or not you want to then live by it is a different story. But what I'd like you to see, what I'm hoping that you see is, oh yeah, okay, I see the truth in it. That seems too impossible to me. It seems too far-fetched to me. Um, it, does, it doesn't seem like it's even doable. Um, but I do see the point. I see the logic of it. I see the truthfulness of it. So that's my minimum goal with this particular quote that you just come away saying, oh yeah, okay, I understand. I, th I think the guy's right. Um, I don't know if I want to live that way. I don't know if I can live that way. I, I don't know if anyone lives that way, but I see what what's being said as as a true path to happiness because that's what this first quote is really about. This quote is, how do you experience a life of well-being, a life of real happiness? How do you get to a place where, you know, you don't experience drama and suffering no matter what's happening? That you, you know, how do you experience life from a place of imperturbable peace? Like no matter what's going on around you, because life is unpredictable, weird things happen, crazy things happen, you know, shit happens, Right. But how can you be in the midst of life and yet be solid, to be immovable, to be imperturbable, to maintain a sense of well-being and happiness in the midst of all the weird things that happen in life and what people do and how circumstances unfold, okay? So this quote is – that's what this quote is about. So that's my – I guess a question I have for you is, are you interested in real inner peace? <laughs> are you interested in being happy all the time? Are you interested in really experiencing a sense of deep well-being, a, a kind of a well-being that you can access and experience even in the most difficult of situations? Okay, If you're interested in that, then you're going to be interested in this quote because that's what this quote is really getting at. Okay. Now, um, hopefully I've built up this quote enough to where you're like, oh, come on, Roy, get on with it. Tell me what the quote is for God's sakes. <laughs> All right. So this one comes from, you know, I don't even, I know where it comes from, but it was written. I found it. Michael Singer is the one that quoted this one time and then I went and checked on it. But this quote comes from some ancient written piece called Treatise on Faith Mind. I Googled it and that's where I found this. It is written by a guy named, I think it's pronounced Zhang San. Zhang or Tan. He was the third Zen patriarch and it was written in the year 606 AD. Okay? Now, I don't know what the third Zen patriarch means. I thought Zen was way older than AD 600. I think it, I thought Zen started with the Buddha, and the Buddha lived 2,500 years before Jesus. Okay? So, so I don't know what the third Zen patriarch is. I don't know who this guy Zeng Tan is. I have discovered this treatise on faith mind, and this is the first line in his treatise, you could say. All right? But it really is the most powerful thing that I've ever come across. And here's what the first sentence is. And this is the only one that you would need to memorize. Here it is. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Sit with that. The great way 
is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Now, let's briefly, let's just break this down for a second. What does he mean by the great way? Well, he means, you know, the path of wisdom, the path of enlightenment, the path of truth. Right? He's saying the great way, like the way to inner peace, the way to that imperturbable place of trust, the that 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 place of well-being, that place where there's no suffering, no drama, like the great way. I mean, like the ultimate way of living, the highest form of living, <laughs> the the deepest truth. He said, that, that, that great way, it's not difficult. It really isn't. You know, years and years ago, M. Scott Peck wrote one of, maybe it is even today, it's still one of the most popular self-help books ever written. And it was called The Road Less Traveled. I have it on my shelves. Um, and M. Scott Peck was a famous psychiatrist, psychologist. I think he wrote mostly in the 70s and the early 80s. I don't think he's alive anymore. He wrote a, a number of really good books, but his most famous book is The Road Less Traveled. And the first sentence in his book is, life is difficult. That was his first sentence in his book. Now, he's right. Life is difficult. But what this third Zen patriarch would say is, yeah, it's difficult if you have preference. Because this guy has discovered that the great way is not difficult. It's the, the way to have peace and a sense of well-being and real happiness. It's not difficult. It's not difficult to understand. It's not really difficult to achieve. It, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. If you live a life without preference, if you are not for or against, if you do not have likes and dislikes, if you don't want this, but I don't want that, if you live a life where you don't make distinction if you live a life where you don't have judgment, I want that, I like that, I don't want this, I don't like that. If you, if you have a life where you have no attachments and no aversions, right? you're not attached to something, needing it, clinging it, wanting it, craving it, chasing it, seeking it, desiring it. And if you have no aversions, I want to avoid it, get away from it, I don't like it, I hate that, don't want that, get away from me. If you live a life where you make no distinction about whatever's occurring, you just have no preference for life to be a certain way. That's the phrase right there. If you have no preference that life unfolds in a certain way, but yet you simply love what is, you simply surrender to the way life is unfolding. If you don't bring your mind into it and say, but I don't like that, I don't want that, and I do want this, and I don't want that. If you don't make those kinds of distinctions, if you don't arbitrarily tell life and people and circumstances the way it's supposed to be or the way it should be, if you don't get attached to wanting that and you have no aversions to the way life is, if you just simply surrender to how life is unfolding, if you love what is, the great way is not difficult. You'll always be happy. You'll have a sense of deep inner peace and well-being because you're not setting yourself against life, nor are you pushing and craving to create something or get something or make people, circumstances, or things be the way you want them to be. In other words, there'll be no effort in you. 
no effort to keep things away, no effort to bring things toward you. You won't live a life of any push or pull. You will live a life that the Buddhists talk about as the middle way. Right? The middle way, what they basically say is if you think of a pendulum swinging back and forth, when it's moving at either end of its arc, there's, there's movement. There's a, a kind of a force. But when it's sitting still in the middle, it's not going backwards or forwards. It's not swinging. It's just in the middle there. Well, there's stillness. There's peace. So if, if we were to live a life without preference, without the sense of I want and I don't want, I like and I don't like, without making distinction, without superimposing our will onto the way we think life should be unfolding, if we simply recognize whatever I want or don't want, what does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? Like, who cares what I want or don't want? Have you noticed that life doesn't send you an email every morning and saying, hey, Roy, so what do you want to happen today? I'm on it. Or, hey, Roy, what are some of the things you don't want to happen today? I'm on it. And I might say, you know what? Um, I have a very important meeting today um, or I'm going for a job interview or I'm playing in a golf tournament and I can't, I can't afford a flat tire today. Okay. Can't happen. So my preference is that my car not break down today. And so do we think that, is that what happens? Do you get an email like that? And then you send that off and it replies, life replies back. You're, I'm on it, Roy. I, I, you will not get a flat tire today. <laughs> that doesn't happen, right? Life, life doesn't give a rat's ass what we, what we want and don't want. Have you figured that out? Nobody asks you that. Nobody cares what you want and don't want. I don't mean that in some cynical, weird way. I'm, I mean, life doesn't care. Like, I mean, life has been unfolding for 14.8 billion years. Right? I mean, everything that's occurring in life, what people are doing, circumstances and conditions, the, all of that is a result of all the forces in the universe that have been going on for billions of years to create what's right in front of you, what that person is saying to you. How, a, you know, have, do you understand that the way people are, the way they respond, the, the, how they handle conflict, how they handle being triggered, how they communicate, how they deal with their emotions. Do you understand that that's got nothing to do with you? That, that the way they are, even the way you are, is a result of all of your history, all of your experiences, things you've gone through, the way you've been raised, the, you know, the, the various things you've learned various people and events you've gone through in your life that they've all formed you. And, and so when a person behaves a certain way, it's, it's, it's got nothing to do with you. It, and you don't have any control over that. It's like, and life itself, it's like, do you complain about the weather as, as if the weather asks you like, what do you want it to be tomorrow on your birthday? You don't have any say over that. Because the weather is governed by all the meteorological things. And the whole universe and how everything's unfolding comes from the physics and the chemistry and the biology and the psychology and, and the cosmology and all of that. So it's like all the forces in the universe have been interacting with each other for billions and billions of years to make the day that's right in front of you or what's going to happen. Right. If you're driving down the street today and somebody runs a stop sign and smashes into you, you know, it's like that was molded in the stars billions of years ago because everything had to happen in certain ways. I mean, the car had to be invented and <laughs> put together and bought by a certain person. And that person had to go to bed at a certain time and get up a certain time and do a certain thing. And you were doing certain things and going certain places. And the two of you crossed paths at that one 
magnificent instant. And you, you just don't have any control over any of that. And so, so when you, when you really recognize that the way your life is unfolding and the way people are in circumstances and conditions, it, it's just got, you've got no say over that. So like, why in the world would you have likes and dislikes? What, what does that have to do with anything? Life is what life is. You know, what is, is that's reality. There's reality. And then you, I mean, we come along and we say, well, I don't like that. Like, what's that about? <laughs> it's like, it's like the stupidest thing in the world. It's like, imagine, okay, that I'm, I'm going to a golf tournament. I get a flat tire and I'm on the side of the road changing this damn tire, even though I've got AAA, but let's just, you know, for, <laughs> for argument's sake, you know, I'm on the side of the road, I'm changing my tire and I'm just bitching. I'm just bitching. Like, you know, why couldn't this happen yesterday? Because yesterday I had the day off. I had nothing going on. I had all the time in the world yesterday to change my tire. But now this morning, I don't. I have to be someplace in a half an hour. And now I've got this flat tire and I can't find the tire and the tire iron. And I got to dig it out of my trunk and oh, fuck, 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 fuck. Right? What good is that to have a preference because in that moment, right, I've got a preference. Right? I, I prefer not to have a flat tire. I would have preferred to have it yesterday. <laughs> like, what good is that? Does that change the flat tire? Does that make it not happen? Hell no. All it does is I'm upset because I have a preference. But what if I had no preference? What if I didn't mind then? Okay, there's a flat tire here. I guess that over billions of years and all the things that had happened to create that tire and to have it be on my car at this moment and all the wear and tear and the driving I've done that I hit this one little thing out of the blue and it made a flat tire. It's like random. It's like luck. And, but so if, if I don't have preference, well, it's, it's just what happened. Do you see how obvious that is? Do you see how true this guy's statement is? The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Now, the hard part is, well, how the hell do I live without preferences? Because you and I both know that in our culture, everything, all it ever tells us from our schools to our churches, a lot of spiritual teachings, Media, everything. What do you want? What do you want? Create your life. What are your preferences? What are your goals? What are your ambitions? Right? All, everything that, that is being told to us in the world is to say that the key to life is to have preferences, to have likes and dislikes, and try to get life to be the way you want it to be, and try to keep life from being ways that you don't want it to be. That's the general wisdom that pretty much everybody on the planet is telling you. Life is about knowing what you want and what you don't want and then getting up and getting to work to make that happen. And I would just say, well, I guess that sounds good in a way, but that's only possible if you have control over anything. I want this. I don't want that. That's very reasonable if you have control. I want to get my flat tire on days where I'm free. I don't want a flat tire when it's inconvenient and not a good time. That would be perfectly fine if I could control when the tire goes flat. <laughs> but I can't control any of that. I'm not in control of hardly anything. And so the idea then of making your life be about trying to get what you want and avoid what you don't want, building a life around your preferences and your likes and your dislikes, that's insanity. You're setting yourself up for drama, for suffering. 
because you're trying to control what you can't control. Now, the reason this third Zen patriarch dude said this is because he was a Zen master and so he listened to the Buddha's teaching, which were passed down from 2,000 years earlier. Do you remember, have you ever heard of the Buddha's four noble truths? Like when the Buddha had his enlightenment moment, okay, four things occurred to him. Four truths came to him. And the first one was a little bit like M. Scott Peck. He said, life is suffering. He looked around and said, you know, hey, man, life is suffering. And the real word is life is unsatisfactory. He said, that's the reality of what I see and what I experience. Life is unsatisfactory. People are not, there's not, there's not really the well-being. There's not happiness. There's not the imperturbability. There's not inner peace. It's like what M. Scott Peck said, life is difficult. And the Buddha said, life is suffering or unsatisfactory. But then the Buddha went on and said, why? The second noble truth is life is unsatisfactory because we crave, because we have desires. Another word would be because we have preference. Life is unsatisfactory because we have likes and dislikes. We have preferences. Now, why does having preferences lead to life being unsatisfactory? Well, because you can't control anything to get your preferences. <laughs> so you're going to be dissatisfied when I can't make this fucking life be the way I want it to be. I can't make men act the way I think they should they should act. I can't make women act the way I think they should be. I can't make my finances be the way I want them to be. I can't even control my body and my health. Have you noticed sometimes that you can take great care of yourself, exercise and eat well, and then you end up with a heart murmur and they have to open up your chest and put in a new valve? That happened to me 11 years ago. I was doing P90X. I mean, very fit, very healthy. I mean, I rarely drink, never smoke, professional athlete, and I had a bad heart and they had to open my chest up and put a new valve in there. Okay, so it's like, um, I don't have any control over my health, really. And I don't have any control over women. I tried that. <laughs> so... What the Buddha was saying is, you know, you know why life is unsatisfactory? You know why everybody's suffering? It's because they have all these preferences and they can't control anything to get what they like and to not get what they don't like. So, oh my God, it's just a matter of time before you are very unsatisfied. Like, sure, sometimes you can make life be the way you want it to be briefly. And sometimes you can avoid things from happening. Like, I, you know, knock on wood, I haven't, my car hasn't broken down in a while. Okay, great. But one of these days, something's going to happen to my car. I'm going to have to bring it to the shop. I'm going to have to call for a tow truck, right? I mean, it's going to fall apart one, one time, right? Because <laughs> life is impermanent. Life is always changing and you can't control it. So if life changes all the time and you can't control it, and yet you are going to stand there and have preferences and listen to that voice in your head that says, I want this and I don't want that and I like this and I don't like that, then you are going to be one unhappy camper. Do you at least see that? Do you see the root of your suffering? That's all I want you to grasp with this first pithy wisdom quote. Do you see that the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences? Of course. If I don't set myself up for something or against something, if I don't love something or hate something, if I'm just with something, if I'm just present with what is, I have no love and attachment and desire. I have no hate and aversion, and avoidance. I just meet each moment as it is. 
In other words, I live a life of surrender. Life unfolds, and I'm rolling with it. I'm surrendered to it. I have no agenda for life. I do not live my life by the the motto, I'm going to go make what I want happen. And I'm going to go out and I'm going to keep from happening what I don't want to happen. I don't live that way. <laughs> that ain't the great way. That's the way of suffering because I'm trying to do things I can't control and everything's changing all the time. Even if I got things the way I wanted them to be, they wouldn't stay that way. Not for, not for very long. So that's nuts. That's insane to, to live a life of preference. In actuality, yeah, that's insane. Unless I just love the drama. Unless I, I want the suffering. Unless I want to live life on a roller coaster, up and down and all over the place. And and then, you know, I'm, I'm happy one day. I'm miserable the next. I'm just, you know, I'm just this kind of bipolar experience of life. I'm just this manic going through life. I'm all over the place. If experiences and if circumstances and people are just the way I like them, oh, I'm happy. This is great. Life is wonderful. If people are not doing what I want them to do and life is not the way, I got the flat tire. I lost my job. Uh, they found a lump on my breast. Oh, well, then life sucks. And it's like, oh, now I'm down and I'm depressed and I'm just, you know, in the... And then, oh, something good happens. Oh, I'm back on top. I'm back on top. And then something bad. Oh, I'm back on the bottom. And if you like that, if you like being driven and tossed by the wind, well, fine. But if you would like to live life where you know that kind of stuff happens, the good and the bad happens, I mean... Things are worthy of celebration. Things are worthy of great sadness. So if you would like to to live life the way it is, and yet you go through all of that from a place of, you can't knock me off my spot. You know, no matter what happens, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. There's a contentment. There's a well-being here. There's an, there's an imperturbability, right? There's a serenity that isn't touched by the comings and goings of people and by the ever-fluctuating circumstances. See, if you would rather live that way, so you're still living life, you're still experiencing everything life has to offer. You're just saying that in the midst of that, I can be grounded and not, Knocking, not knocked off my perch. I'm solid. You can live that way. Or you can live life, but you'll be all over the place. And you, you'd be bipolar. you just be one, one spectrum, one end of the spectrum to the other. So this, this quote is talking about the great way. The great way is life is difficult. Life is unsatisfactory. The shit's going to happen. And yet I can find a place in the midst of it where there's this imperturbable happiness. And it's that way for me because I don't have preference for life to be a certain way. I do not try to tell life how you're supposed to be and how you're not supposed to be. I don't try to tell people to behave a certain way and to not behave a certain way. I just go with the flow. I just surrender to what is and I deal with what's right in front of me without passing judgment on it, without resisting it, without being attached to it. I simply receive life moment to moment. It unfolds right in front of me. Flat tire, no flat tire. Someone wants to give me their phone number. Someone rejects me. I get a job. I lose a job. I go to the doctor and they're like, you're, you're the pillar of health. I go to the doctor and they're like, we got to take some more x-rays. There's a problem. We found, we found a growth. And you're like, I have no preference for health. 
or unhealth. I have no preference for love or loneliness. I have no preference for life to be a certain way. I'm not falling for that. I'm not playing that game. It's an unwinnable game. My preferences just don't matter because I don't have control over anything. So why, why do that? Why even give any, why put any psychic energy into this? Let me give you an example. One of my best buddies, known him for decades. He's married to a woman and, and they have probably, I don't know, probably the best marriage that I've ever personally witnessed. Okay. I mean, they're crazy about each other. They've been together for decades. Um, she's got breast cancer. Okay. Um, and as I talked to my friend, um, believe it or not, I guess if I would have asked him, said, Hey, would you prefer your wife not to have breast cancer? (laughs) He'd say, well, yeah, I mean, of course I would, but what's the point of that? What, What would be the point of me putting any psychic energy into, I wish my wife didn't have breast cancer. I don't want this to happen. What does that change the breast cancer? No, she's still got it. So why would I waste any energy on what I like or don't like or what I want or don't want? How about I just deal with what's right in front of me? A woman with breast cancer, we're going to see the doctors. And there's no resistance in me. I have no judgment. I have no preference. It is what it is. It, this is what is. And I'm not wasting any energy on why me and why this happened to my wife and I don't want this and what, did I not did I manifest this and or did I attract this into my life? That's just a bunch of crappy garbage, right? People get breast cancer. You didn't attract it. You didn't manifest it. If you believe that kind of crap, then in your world nobody would ever die. Because then you say, well, I, oh, I attracted death. I attracted uh, the fact that I got old and died. Well, then that, that means what? Every human being ever that's ever lived has been attracting death. <laughs> no, there's a life and death cycle. It's got nothing to do with what you're attracting, what you're thinking, what you're visualizing, what you're manifesting. That's stupid. And so, so it is with most of this stuff. That's just ridiculous stuff that people say to sell books and shit, okay? I'm just going to get real strong on that. This this idea that your thoughts create reality. Shut up, okay? It's like, if if your thoughts create reality, then win the lottery for me, right? Really, win the lottery every week for the next year because all you got to do is imagine it like the secret. See it, feel it, imagine it, manifest it. Right? Go ahead. Manifest winning the lottery 15 times in a row. If you do that, I'll come to your seminar. I'll pay you thousands of dollars to learn your tricks. Okay? Nobody's doing that, are they? Because it's bullshit. All right? So back to my friend. My, my friend would say to me, like, why would I put any psychic energy on, onto my preference? I don't have any preference. What does it matter? I'm just going to surrender to what is. And now I'm going to deal with what's right in front of me. Because that's where I want to go now in this conversation. Here's what happens when people start to entertain this idea of the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. People think, well, then do I become complacent? Does that mean that you live with apathy or indifference? Does that mean you live a life of inaction? If I have no preferences, do I just sit on my ass all day and and I don't do anything? Of course not. If that's what it sounds like, I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. (laughs) Right? It doesn't lead to complacency. It's just that you don't have any resistance to what's happening. To, to the reality that's right in front of you, but then you get to deal with it. My friend can go to all the best doctors, but not from a place of resistance and judgment, 
you know, and I don't want this and this is, this is wrong and life is not fair. No, there's none of that. There's, there's, there's inner peace. There's inner peace with how life is unfolding, but then he deals with it. And I'm here to tell you that when you're, when you're not all stirred up on the inside because of your preferences, like when I get that flat tire, I'd be willing to tell you that I could change that flat tire faster if I'm not, if none of my psychic and emotional energy is wrapped up in why this happened to me today, it could have been tomorrow, this is ridiculous, this isn't fair, blah, 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 life sucks and God hates me, okay? So if I'm not doing any of that, all of my energy can be focused on fix the damn flat tire. And maybe I fix it five or 10 minutes faster and I make my meeting or my tea time. You follow me? So when you're not wasting all your energy on stuff that is just insane and all your preferences and I, I don't want this and I do want that. When, when you're just meeting life as it is, you get out of bed in the morning and then life hits you. There's things happening. Life is unfolding. People are saying things. Conditions are a certain way. Circumstances are unfolding. Okay. And then you're just present because you're not, you're not, you're not lost in your head in the past. Oh, it shouldn't be this way in the future. How can I make it be this way? There's none of that. You're not wasting any of that energy. You're present. You're in the moment. You're, you're, you're with what is, and you're interacting with it. You're responding to it. So having no preference does not mean you're complacent. It means you're actually more effective in your action. You'll take wiser action. You'll have more creative insight because you're not wasting all your energy on this is not the way I want it to be. It is the way it is. You don't have any choice about that. But you can waste your energy on your preferences or you can just love what is. Okay, this is, what, this is what's happening. Who cares whether I want it or not? This is what's here. Now, what can I do to raise the situation? What can I do to resolve this situation? What can I do to move life forward? What can I do to serve the moment? How would love respond? Follow me? Okay? So it doesn't, doesn't lead to inactivity, apathy, or complacency. It, it leads to more effective action, believe it or not. Okay? Now, I want to make sure you know that this quote and what he's saying is not coming out of left field and some bizarre dude that, you know, found some hashish or found some magic mushrooms, you know, 2,000 years ago and was on a real trip. And then he wrote this thing, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. And he was just like high as a kite. <laughs> you know what I mean? And just spouting off a bunch of nonsense. So that's why I said, actually, the Buddha said this 2,000 years ago. Life is unsatisfactory. Because you crave. The third noble truth, by the way, is ending craving ends suffering. In other words, ending preference ends suffering. Because if you don't prefer something, then you, you're just with what is. If there's, if there's no preference, you don't mind whatever's happening. And if you don't mind whatever's happening, well, then you don't have a problem. Right? There's no drama. There's no, I don't mind. I don't mind. How many times have you said that? Person said, uh, would you mind if I borrowed your car? I don't mind. Right? There's no suffering. <laughs> I don't mind. Would you mind? Can I borrow a couple bucks? I need to get something. You know, can I borrow your phone? I need to make a call. And, and my, my battery died. Here, sure, I don't mind. Right? So if you don't mind, then there's no suffering. Right? Well, what if you lived life like that? That's what the Zen patriarch is saying. What if you lived with, I don't mind. Whatever happens, I don't mind. I had no control over it anyway. Life never emailed me and asked me, what do you want today, Roy? Nobody asked me. It's just doing what it's doing based upon all the forces that created it. Everything happened for billions of years to make this moment the way it is. I don't mind. Wouldn't it be the most arrogant thing in the world? 
for life to unfold over 13.8 billion years to make that person standing in front of you the way they are, or this circumstance be the way it is, or this condition the way it is. All that stuff happens for 13.8 billion years to make this right in front of you. And you go, I don't like it. Like, who the fuck are you to say that? It's like, how arrogant for, for you to inject yourself into the great unfolding mystery of life. I don't like the way my husband speaks to me. I don't like the way that person at the store treated me. I don't like that I got a flat tire. <laughs> I mean, think about the arrogance of that. And so that's all this that's all the Buddha was saying is life is suffering because you have desires. Suffering ends when you end desires. And then the fourth noble truth was well, here's the eightfold path on how to get out of desire. Right? But there's, there's some other quotes here. Like some of you might be, you know, big time Christians. That's great. It's wonderful. Okay. And you might be thinking, well, okay, this is a Zen guy. I'm not sure about this Eastern wisdom because I'm a Christian. You know, that might be not really, I don't think I should base my life or live my life on something that's not biblical. Right. I, I, uh, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the Bible as the word of God, not some Zen patriarch, you know, from wherever. Okay. Fine. Did you know that Jesus said the same thing? Remember, he was going to be crucified? And he's like, uh, Father, is there any way out of this? Um, is there any way for me to avoid this cross thing? It doesn't sound like a really fun uh, way to spend the afternoon. Nailed to a cross, people sticking spears in me and making fun of me and... I don't, I, my preference, Father, would be not to be crucified. <laughs> but then what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. What's he saying? Not my, forget my preferences. They're, they're ridiculous. Who cares what I prefer? Your will be done. Not my will. Yours. Another Bible verse that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. What does that mean? This is the day the Lord has made. Is that like talking about Sunday when you're in church? No, there was no Sunday in church 4,000 years ago when this was written in the book of Psalms. Okay. I think David wrote this. He was in a cave all by himself. And he said, this is the day sitting in this cave all alone. Probably he was being chased by someone because a lot of David's life, he was being chased by Saul, one king trying to kill off another king, you know, not unlike today where one king tries to kill off some other king. We're still doing that with Russia and Ukraine. <laughs> We're still doing the same stuff we've always done. Oh, the humans and our egos. But David wrote, eh, this is the day the Lord has made. In other words, this is the way life is. This is the way God made it. Who cares about my preference? I'm rejoicing. Jesus says, "I, not my will, but yours. David says, I just rejoice in whatever day you create. And then I stole that quote from Krishnamurti. Krishnamurti was an ancient, you know, not, not that ancient, a, a, an Indian prophet. I think he only died maybe 40, 50 years ago. Um, and he's, he's the one that was trying to explain to a crowd of people about enlightenment and what it meant. And he's like, I don't know. How, how do I explain it? I, I guess I just don't mind what happens is what he said. That was, that's the best way I can put it. I, I guess I just don't mind what happens. There you go. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Okay. Now, am I expecting you to now go forward today and just let go of your preferences, oh, that would be awesome. Just to let go of, of, of this likes and dislikes and trying to dictate to life the way you think it should be and try to avoid the things you don't want and simply just roll and surrender to how life is showing up and then respond to it and deal with it. Yeah, that would be fantastic. But you might be saying, I don't, there's no way that I want to give up on my preferences. 
I love my sports team. And and when they lose, I'm a mess and I get upset and I'm terrible to be around and I, I kick the dog and I'm mean to my wife and I, I'm in a bad mood for a week when my team loses. I have my preferences. I don't want to have my favorite team and have no preference for whether they win or don't. I'm attached to that and I ride the roller coaster and I'm not stopping it. Screw you, Roy. Fine. <laughs> But just know that you're creating your suffering because you're attached to something that you can't control, right? You can't make your team win. So you're just going to be bipolar as a fan. That's why it's called they're fanatics. They're they're fanatics. That means you're insane, right? I mean, to be a fan is to have preference. (laughs) You can do that. But when you do it, just recognize Well, I know why I'm suffering, because I have preference. But now, this doesn't mean that when you go to Baskin-Robbins, you walk in there without a preference as to what kind of ice cream you want. You know what I mean? We're not talking about that. You think when you say, you know, I want to go have some mint chocolate chip. I have a a little craving for mint chocolate. That's fine. Unless you go in there and they're like, oh my God, we're out of that. We have chocolate chip but we don't have mint. And now if you're bent, like what's wrong with this place? What kind of effing place is this? It's not called 30 flavors. It's 31 flavors. You know. So it, if you lose it, if it bothers you, well, then your preferences, you, you, you're attached. But if you're like, you walk in, I want mint chocolate chip. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. We're out of mint chocolate chip. We have chocolate chip. I'm like, okay, I don't mind. In other words, okay, I had a preference for what kind of ice cream, but I'm not attached to it. Like, uh, I don't mind. Right? So I- I'm not saying that you when, you, when you adopt this little pithy slogan that when you go to a restaurant, you just, I have no preference on what I want to eat. In fact, just tell the waiter, bring me whatever you want. Because I'm, I'm going to love what is. Now, that might be a really fun practice, believe it or not. <laughs> to go to a restaurant and what can I get you, sir? You know what? You get me whatever you want. I'm practicing living life without dictating my wants and don't wants. So bring me something and I am just going to love and deal with whatever it is you put in front of me. Right? That, that, <laughs> That would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Right? But I'm not saying that you can't go to a restaurant and 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 order what you want and have a preference like that. That's that's not it. it. It's more of how attached are you to when you realize that you can't get what you want, what happens? Okay? So the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Now, that's the first sentence in a whole paragraph. Can I read you the whole paragraph now? Now that I've set the stage, you can hear the whole power of the paragraph, but it's only the first line you need to memorize. And by the way, I printed this out on a little piece of paper about the size of a business card. And then I went to one of those FedEx Kinko places and I got it laminated and cut. And so when I open my wallet, I have my driver's license, I have my credit card, And there's a little business card that's laminated and it says the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. So I met with that every time I opened my wallet. (laughs) Now, I'm also here not to tell you that don't, I don't even want you to even think that I live my life totally in alignment with this, right? Because I have suffering. I have drama. I get upset about things, but I know why. Is because I have preferences and the damn world and damn people are not operating the way I want them to. And so I get upset and I do realize if I didn't have an agenda for anyone, if I just let people and circumstances be as it's going to be and then simply surrender to that and then respond appropriately in the moment, I recognize that would be the end of suffering, right? But but I want you to know that I don't live that way all the time. I do live that way now more than ever, but I'm still far from it. 
Okay. So I just don't want no illusions here. I want to manage my image with you with, with that. Okay. But here's the whole paragraph. Okay. Listen to this closely and we'll, we'll finish with this. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. When love and hate are both absent, everything becomes clear and undisguised. Make the smallest distinction, however, and heaven and earth are set infinitely apart. If you wish to see the truth, then hold no opinions for or against anything. To set up what you like against what you dislike is the disease of the mind. That is wisdom with a capital W. These are not things for you or me to believe. I am not asking you to believe this. This is not like religion. Just believe that Jesus was born of a Virgin Mary. Take it on faith. No, that's fine. Whatever. This is not that. There are no beliefs here. You get to try this out in your own life, in your own direct experience. Do you find that life is not difficult when I have no preference? Do you find in your own experience that when I set up what I like against what I dislike, that's a disaster? In other words, you verify this as true, not because you're being told it or someone says, this is what we believe. This is our doctrine. No, you verify it true in your own experience. You live life and you open your eyes and you look around and you look at yourself and you're going to say, you know what? Hey, man, this guy's right. The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Now, living without preferences is another story. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, letting go of all my likes and dislikes because everything has trained me to, 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 to see life that way. Life is about finding out what you love and avoiding what you hate. And that's what life is about, isn't it, man? About going out there and making life be the way you want it to be and not getting what you don't want, right? So we're talking about reorienting your entire way of being in the world, your entire way of seeing. But you can tell that, oh, no, in my own direct experience, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. Right? So that is... Quantum quote number one. We go downhill from there. (laughs) No, the other quotes are powerful, but they're not as mind boggling and, you know, like, oh my God, like that is so radical. I can't even, you know, it just makes my head explode. The other ones are really powerful, but they're not quite as counterintuitive and as mind-boggling as the first one. So, until next time, think on this. Memorize this. See what you, what do you feel about this? I'd love to get your feedback. I'd love to hear from you on how, how, how you're receiving this. I'd love to talk with you about how do, how do I apply this to my love life? Because I have lots of preferences about my love life or about this person I'm dating or about my ex or about some of my friends or my coworkers. Like, okay, because I really buy it. I really get it. I really see it. But I don't know how, how, do I, how do I apply this to my life, okay? That's what I'm here for, that, to, to help you take these things and flesh it out in your life so that you live a life that's happy and imperturbable and with inner peace and a deep sense of well-being. That's what I'm here for. So come get some. Okay? You can find me, you know, my phone number, my cell phone number is 407-687-3387. Email me at Roy at coachingwithroy.com. And so until next time, when we go for quantum uh, quote number two, we'll see you then. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. 
Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.